thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, we're this is the first episode of Unholy Passion. It's uh, with me and Ralph Schmidt, and you guys out there will know Ralph from this Everything Went Black podcast, as well as Choice Metal Matters episodes where we did classic records and stuff like that. So. Anyone out there who was listening to Metal Matters, I know that just from corresponding with some of you that you weren't aware that there's another podcast that I do called Everything Went Black. You know, I welcome you guys into this, and uh, yeah, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a lot of fun, and we're gonna be uh, doing some interesting stuff. So, Ralph, how's it going? I'm doing fine, Mike. Thanks for having me here. Um, excited for this new venture, and. Uh, Glad I could rejoin you here and everything went black. And uh, yeah, I mean, we balanced a couple of good ideas for what to do here. I'm stoked, man. How are you? I'm doing good, you know. And and just uh, for the record, and I've said this a couple of times, um, you know, everything was cool leaving Metal Matters. It wasn't like, uh, you know, there was this big blowout and I got fired or like, you know, like I showed up drunk to work one day and like, you know, (laughs) stole a bunch of shit. Like, none, none of that stuff happened. It was really just um, my desire to keep expanding and doing more stuff. And uh, time management, too, became a big issue. Because at, at, for, you know, for the last couple of years, for all intents and purposes, I was doing three podcasts. I was doing Metal Matters. I was doing intermittent episodes of, um, of this show. Everything went black. And also Necromaniacs, the horror podcast with uh, Mike Scandato and more recently uh, Jeff Kashid from the formerly of ISIS and Palms. So uh, it got to be uh, kind of a grind and uh, I had to make a decision about which ones I wanted to continue doing, which ones I felt were more compelling and uh, where my interests, you know, what my interest level was. So, you know, unfortunately, Metal Matters was the one that um, you know I decided to leave, and uh, I I'm glad for the opportunity to you know work with Gimme Radio or Gimme Metal is what they're now called, and uh, I got to you know meet a lot of cool people and you know reach a wider audience and talk to some interesting guests, and uh, it was great that they were able to um, you know allow me to pretty much have free reign with the format, but you know at the end of the day my interest lies a little bit beyond like just metal and extreme music. And I want to talk about more stuff and have, you know, different types of guests and, uh, you know, kind of just go off more in an independent sort of mindset. And, uh, you know, and also the show still exists. Um, you know, with, we just, we didn't even miss an episode. Fred, Fred Passaro and, uh, Mike Burdan, uh, took it over. And, uh, I was actually the first guest they had, which was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty cool. I thought, and um, Fred also has been a guy that's helped me out quite a bit over the years. Um, he's used to be uh, the editor at Noisy. He had his own website called Clairvoyant, his own outlet for a while. Uh, he worked over at Revolver for a bit. Uh, when I met him, he was the uh, editor at Brooklyn Vegan, in, um, which is like a very influential website in New York City for a while. And um, back when Tombs first started out, Fred was like a early, uh, you know, ba- early adopter of the band. Like he, he really, he, he used to promote a lot of, well, he still promotes shows, but, you know, back in the day, he was promoting a lot of shows that we were invited to play with some great bands. And, 
he wrote about us back in the day, like right away and got, you know, gave us press and, you know, was, and also on another level helped keep like food on my table during periods of time when I was like, uh, you know, by giving me writing assignments and inviting me to work at his, um, you know, clairvoyant at his outlet that when that was happening and, and be a regular contributor there. And uh, I wish, you know, Fred luck. And, uh, you know, Mike Burdan is a guy that I recently met. He's the singer in the band Uniform. And, um, you know, he's a talented guy. Uniform is a pretty cool band. And, uh, yeah, I think that I left it off in good hands. And um, it's still going to be every Tuesday. And uh, anyone out there who's listening, who was listening to Metal Matters, please continue to listen, listen to those guys because it's going to be a different type of show from that point on. So... So there you go. Cool. Yeah. My my see my new my new favorite image now that I will keep in mind for for bad times is you showing up drunk at work stealing some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I when you just like said the stuff you said I'm like wow and that that would be so funny because I might I've never seen you drunk or anything <laughs> but 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 I've seen you in modes where it's sort of like where you like intimidating and just like a drunk Mike showing up at worst like give me uh what, what the fuck's wrong here i take this and i take that <laughs> fuck all fuck all you guys would be that would be entertaining so yeah this is my new my new uh what, what do you call it my my sweet spot no my 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 ah fuck how do you call the place that you go? My happy place. That's happy it. place. That's yeah, my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike Hill stealing stuff drunk at work's my happy place. That yeah. should be what we should rename this episode, this uh, this show. We should rename it Mike Hill's Happy Place, <laughs> featuring Mike. <laughs> but uh, Ralph and his goon friend from Germany. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so the way things are going to break down is that Ralph is going to have, and we're going to have Ralph and Randy both involved in the show. Uh, so, you know, twice a month, we're going to have Ralph on Holy Passion. That's going to be the name of the show, so you can identify it on your feed. Randy's going to come on for Road, Road to Ruin. That's with Randy and me. And then there'll be uh, just two other episodes where um, I just I have a guest, an interview, you know, or uh, observational stuff, like which I've been doing for the last year, was literally just doing the Plague Diary observation, you know, episodes you know with some storytelling and things like that so it's a little bit different um you know randy and i are still going to be talking about classic records uh that's primarily what we're going to be doing i know people really enjoy that when it was when we were going to obscure stuff and i think that that's going to be the focus like for example we had we had a blast talking about iron maiden killers and iron maiden number of the beast but everyone you know you can go anywhere and find people talking about those records but i think randy and i are going to dig deeper into um the more obscure spectrum of things you know talk about bands that you know maybe you guys aren't that familiar with that were important to us back in the day or you know stuff that might be surprising or or just new bands that are brand new that maybe don't even have a record deal or anything like that that you need to hear you know so That's cool. Uh, I always like these episodes too, and it's like I like I've said before, like you guys have such a great chemistry, and like old guys nerding about like obscure bands is always the thing that I enjoy. So cheers to Randy, and looking forward to hearing those Road to Ruins episodes. Yeah, they're gonna be fun, man. You know, and that, that title is like 
Because, like, in some ways, like, both of our lives have been ruined by music in some ways. You know, it's like, you know, this, like, fucking, you know, uh, Peter Pan uh, journey into uh, darkness, you know, by trying to do bands all these years and trying to, like, tour and make records and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of, like, the, I guess, the, you know, the byline of, um, of that, you know. It's like a double-edged sword, I guess. You know, like, Yeah, but it's like... It's, it's... The thing, like, a lot of people can relate to that play in bands like we do. I mean, I, I know the same thing. We all have to work hard and do the grind to have that hobby that costs us money. And at some point, if it goes well, you at least make the money back from your expenses and maybe, like, a few bucks on top. But it's not, like, remotely the percentage that you can live off. But we still do it because it's just the way we work obsessing about music writing music doing the grind going on tour meeting awesome people that we would never meet in other ways yeah so i, I would never trade it in for the world no definitely not i mean I, you know it's you know and then if you do it long enough you get to have you have to get comfortable with knowing that you're, you're different you know what i mean that you're not like you know i i have like a real job too you know where i work with engineers and shit so it's like you gotta you gotta be comfortable with the fact that you're not there you're not the same as them like that you're never gonna be like one of these people you know and it's like not that it's bad you know but yeah. you have to just be comfortable knowing that they're not gonna be able to relate relate to any of the things that are important to you you know like Unt the stuff yeah. you just mentioned. until the until the moment you show up drunk for work and steal stuff yeah you know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So some of you probably heard this before, but, you know, Ralph and I have been friends for a long time. And, uh, you know, we, we covered this before, but if you haven't heard the, um, the story before, Ralph and I met when my old band, Anodyne, <clears throat> first toured Europe. And that tour was uh, particularly uh, brutal. And some may even call that tour a complete failure. <laughs> um but I, I actually don't look at it that way. I just look at it as like that's the first time that actually the first and only time Anodyne ever went to Europe. But uh, yeah. it was, you know, it was an adventure, man. And uh, it, and, uh, and had I not done that, I would never, I wouldn't know Ralph. And Ralph, you know, like one of my fucking best friends, man. So I'm glad that we did that. Yeah, of course. It's always the the small things. Like I think from from every shitty tour I did, playing to literally no people with vans breaking down, getting broken into, engines freezing, shit like this. There's always this one thing where you say, like, it was still worth it. And yeah, man, it's just like our friendship has been one of the pillars, like one of the longest lasting things in my life. And I treasure this so much. And we're like moving towards our 20 years anniversary, man. It's just, it's cool. That's the funny thing about getting old is like... Uh when you look like 20 years seems like a long time, man, but it kind of isn't, yeah. you know, it's like, you look at it like, like when I was 20, that was my whole life, my whole lifetime, you know? Yeah. And yeah. the nineties came and I was still a relatively young man, but now the nineties were like 20 years ago, over 20 years yeah. ago. And it's like, that is someone's total lifetime, you know, like a, yeah. it's like a lifetime ago for some people. Yeah, my kids, my kids in school. Like when I when I have to write the the, the years end papers, 
I always have to fill in like like blanks and shit, and it's just like, okay, so let's see, birth date, two thousand and seven. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh god, and it's just like then you have PTAs, and there are like parents sitting in front of you that are younger than you, and they have two kids, mm. and you're like, oh man. I mean, I'm 41. I don't consider myself really old, but now, like, you know, like all of a sudden when you have like an Instagram or Facebook feed and there's like, so this, this record that you totally love just turned 25. This record you absolutely adore is like 35 years old. This record you like treasure has been done even a year before your, your father got horny and, and made you, you know, I guess it's, <laughs> It's it's incredible, man. Yeah. Well, with another trippy thing is like in the '80s, you know, when I was, um, well, even just saying the '80s, that seems like someone talking about the '50s or the '40s to some younger people. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but in the '80s, I remember like cla you know, classic rock started being a thing, like album-oriented rock. You know, bands from the '70s were like older bands, like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and you know, UFO and Judas Priest and all that kind of stuff was like thought of as bands from another another uh generation you know so yeah. now you know dead guy uh <laughs> you know <laughs> bloodlet and uh you know those types of bands you know neurosis or whatever might be thought of the same way that we thought of led zeppelin and black sabbath yep 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 <laughs> this this is i just had to talk about this whole i mean not not that i considered that guy or kiss it goodbye in these bands like in this realm but this hardcore music i always think of these bands more like hardcore bands that were like hardcore in a different kind of way yeah you know like that have like more metal influences but still are not metal bands but this this always went hand in hand with the screamo thing you know chaos core emo core whatever you want to call it and this is such a deadbeat genre it's like I still have like a bunch of friends who still like are Orchid or uh, I don't know Page Ninety Nine, <clears throat> and it's like wow creepy. Yeah, these bands they they didn't age really well. But if you like put on Dead Guy or Kiss It Goodbye and Bloodlet, you're still like oh man, this is it's old. It sounds different, and it's still so good. And it's in this realm of obscure bands that again like what what we talked about. What you and Randy want to do. It's just like bands that only a handful of people know and and forever will treasure. And I, most of these guys, they don't even know that they did something that is so meaningful to others. Yeah, yeah definitely. And the thing, too, it's like, and, and this is something that uh, I, you know, I think we've talked about is hardcore music versus like rock, you know, like hard rock. Yeah. Most of those bands only put out like one classic record, really. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. the hardcore world. You know, I mean, you can say yeah. like Fixation on a Coworker was like Dead Guy's like classic yeah. record. And you could say like Entheogen was like the Bloodlet record, you know. And, yeah. and But, uh, you know, it's funny. More, more, my friend Morgan from, uh, you know, Black Ops always like uh, confronts me about how I, I'm like, you know, I don't like hardcore. And, and I kind of don't really. It's like. I gotta be honest. It's like I I'm not a fucking hardcore guy. Like I'm just not. I always was in the metal, and like I like my band operated in the hardcore world because the DIY world was like where you can do shows, and uh, 
but I was never like a youth crew fan. I never was really, you know, wearing a champion sweatshirt, you know, or any of that kind of stuff or like, at least not, I used to wear a champion sweatshirt at wrestling practice, but not like at a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I liked punk music more than I liked hardcore, I guess. And I guess bands like X, you know, the cramps, um, yeah. you know, the germs, like the punk vibe in hardcore is more what I enjoyed, you know, like black flag yeah. to me being a hardcore band. We're incorporating all sorts of shit like Sabbath and fucking, you know, the swans at some points you can hear that. And like, yeah, it just, it was never, I, I like the youth crew shit never really rang, rang with me, you know? I mean, yeah, there's, there's some classic hardcore stuff I love. Like I cherish, you know I mean? Like I love the first Cro-Mags record. I love, uh, feel the darkness by poison idea. Like, but, but then again, you know, poison ideas got like this, they're, they're like a, have a punk vibe though. They're not, they're not like a youth crew yeah. band. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. And I think what, like one thing that always drives me crazy here, I'm, I mean, I think we have a big culture here of metal people that have been raised strictly on metal and that considers themselves metal heads. And these were the people at first when Otha started that gave us shit for like, oh, they're hardcore guys. They used to be in hardcore bands and they set up hardcore shows and now they want to play black metal. And then it's just like, no, dude, that's that's wrong. Because what you see as hardcore is bands like Sick of It All or Agnostic Front and these bands. But the hardcore bands I talk about are way more aggressive, way more like confront confrontational in a way. You know, like stuff like Poison Idea and these bands, <coughs> Black Flag, and um, also like the punk vibe to it. And it's just like, you you know, like you could consider bands like Converge or Keelhaul or, I don't know, Botch or Knut, the, the Swiss band. They're also in this hardcore realm because they're operating in this DIY hardcore punk scene. But they didn't sound like sick of it all in these kind of bands. No, but that's not. just like, but that's the horizon that a lot <laughs> of metal people have from like, you know, going to Wacken. And seeing like, oh, there's Emperor headlining and before Emperor, it's Madball on the main stage. So for them, that's hardcore. People in baggy shorts jumping around, you know, and like doing like rap style vocals. And like, that's not the hardcore music I talk about. Yeah. You know, my hardcore, my hardcore music is really fast and in your face. And the record is done in 12 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a different perspective. I mean, I do like, I mean, Sick of It All is a fucking great band. I mean, straight up, they're legends, but, you know what I mean? And, and they, uh, they are, yeah. Yeah, you know. But I just, I've never really been comfortable in that world, you know. And it's like even the years I lived in Boston was like, you know, probably the most hardcore years of my life because, you know, I was, like, all my roommates were in hardcore bands and like I played within that scene, you know, with Anodyne. Yeah. But, it was, but we weren't, like, playing with, like, you know, Blood for Blood or any of those types of bands. But it was, you know, in that DIY world of, like, you know, like, cave-in and whatever, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, I guess the point I was trying to make is, like, rock rock music, like, hard rock music. Where in this subgenre of hardcore music, you get one record defining a band. Like yep. Led Zeppelin put out like like five amazing records that are completely influencing the re the entire universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, and this is pretty much, this is also like, because we wanted to talk about like what we have installed here with with uh, Unholy Passion. One idea that I always threw in, uh, like that we said we could talk do now is this either or thing. Yeah. Where, you know, like we confront each other with like things like this. For example, two defining records for bands that defined a certain genre, for example. And then it was just like, okay, what's your take? Which, which one is the more essential one and why? And why is it so important to you and shit like this? Because I also think like there's a bunch of bands you can name that have like a big back catalog. I mean, you just like talk to Randy about Maiden and have like, okay, this is the definite record with Bruce Dickinson. This is the different one, you know, like, and... I think that's interesting to hear these takes on like where where does it sit with you, which record and why. But yeah, man, and this this is mostly like a legacy thing which is built around one record. And uh it's interesting to see but why which record is so important to which person. And I think it's uh it's pretty much the the stuff you've been confronted with first that always sticks. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. See how I like. See how I like. You know, push the conversation in that direction. You know? Yeah, masterful. <laughs> yeah, to totally. You're genius. <laughs> <laughs> We had that the crazy thing we had that too, and it's it's pretty much a difference of 20 degrees Celsius within like four days. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty uh, pretty certain that like a lot of people will get, get ill now, because you know like last week we were out there in the snowstorm with like heavy clothing, and now people running around in t-shirts. And uh, yeah, the schools are opening back up. It's the first thing they do. There's just like I don't know, we have. Um, there's like mutations of that virus that came over from the UK and from Nigeria. Right. A and like, you know, everybody is like the vaccine is being distributed very slowly, very poorly. And uh, now like some people have like both shots because you need two shots, obviously. Right. But like now this new, <coughs> this new mutation, it's even more contagious and even more aggressive. And it's also dangerous for kids. And now the, the the pretty much all the states have decided that like starting from tomorrow on, like the tenth graders and the the finishing exam like grades will go back to school in full capacity. So it's Damn. it's like a time bomb a time bomb waiting to happen. And it's just like me as a teacher. It's just like, uh, well, do you, like everybody's talking about? Oh yeah, the kids have to go to school and the social issues and the parents at home they have to do the the work and shit. And we're like, okay, so are you not concerned about all the workforce you have being a teacher and going to that shithole and like being 
in, in crosshair of this virus. But that's obviously something they're willing to take the risk for I'm us. I'm surprised that you haven't been vaccinated being a teacher. I've uh, I just like because there was some pressure from from the the um, from the unions, the teachers unions. We've been moved from group three to group two. So um, where if like if the vaccine is being distributed like it's been done right now, uh, I will get my first <coughs> shot maybe in July or August. Yeah. So that's group two now. Wow. With the other group, I would have been in January next year. So it's yeah, Damn. like yeah, because like, yeah, the... at least over here, uh, teachers are part of the essential workforce. So they they get um, you know, like I know people that have gotten both vaccines that are uh, like transit workers and healthcare and uh, firemen and like people that work on the ambulances and stuff like that and teachers. Yeah. So that's that's yeah, the first, confusing to me. Yeah, it it is for me too. But it's um I mean the first first uh group of people they did were the retirement homes and the right. workforce there. Yeah. Which makes sense and um now well they have like most of them are done now, but they still have delivery issues with uh, all the vaccines. And uh, yeah, but some people said like, well, you want kids to go to school and you want the school to commence like in a, in a regular like way. So why not give the teachers the vaccine? And then they're like the pretty much what we got here in North Rhine Westphalia was a PDF that in uh, like that shows me how to open the window for five minutes oh, every 20. Yeah, that's like that's we get like one, uh, one, no, two FFP2 masks. So we're like we're forced to have like med medical masks now, like these surgeon stuff. Um, we can't use the regular ones that you can saw yourself, but you have to have medical masks now. And we'll get one mask per day as a teacher and the instruction how to open a window. That's like how the government helps us at the moment. Wow! Like, and I've always admired <laughs> I've always admired Germany, man. Like, as far as like modern Germany, at least, I've always admired yeah. them. And I, this is like, uh, in some ways, worse than the United States response. Yeah, I mean, they everybody says that Germany handled it pretty well, or you like most of Europe did, and that's actually true. I'm I'm also like pretty pretty convenient about how they they did it, but when it comes to schools and teachers, like. The, the big issue is that they missed the uh, the digital revolution, so to say. So we, ha we have schools here in Cologne. Like one of my best friends works as a teacher here. And every kid in the school has a tablet, like an iPad that has been paid by the government. So when he, he has to go to school and there's like a camera. And so he teaches in classroom with a blackboard gets filmed doing it, live streams it to the kids, and the kids are at home, have like a tablet. So they can do all the work there. But this is like an ex exception from, from the brighter masses because my school has a total of 30 laptop PCs that operate on Windows 98 that oh, were man. distributed to the kids. So we have 1,200 students and so my 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 class where i'm the head teacher they're um seventh graders and i'm pushing really hard so like people have to get 
like some, something to work with. <coughs> but I, I still have like two or three kids that live in a 40 square feet apartment. So not very big with eight people and they have one mobile phone for the whole family to work with. So it's, it's insane how big this gap is right now. And that's why they're pushing so hard to get all the kids back in school because they just don't want to spend the money to get everybody like linked to the internet and give them a proper like tool to operate with. And that's, that's seriously retarded. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking terrible, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but aside from that, life goes on. That's all you can do, man. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I just, our numbers are coming down. More people are getting vaccinated. You know, things are, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm feeling okay. It's like, I, um, I don't know. There's even talk of doing shows over the summer, like outdoor type things. All right. Yeah. So we'll see how that happens. But, uh, yeah, it's just been, um, you know, life just kind of is. It's not good or bad. Yeah. And if it yeah. skews to any direction, it usually skews to, like, bad, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, that's, that's, hanging in there. That's what's just the feeling that I had, like, when I took my bike outside today and just, like, you know, like, I'm not the guy to, like, hang out in parks with a ton of people, like, getting the barbecue on and shit like that. But, like, I have, like, a, there's a big graveyard here, like a cemetery, which is really big. And it's pretty much quiet and empty. So it takes me, like, half hour to go there by bike. To, got there. There's, like, one bank in, like, next to, like, war veterans memorial graves. So it's a pretty open, open field. Sitting there on my bench and reading a book just listening to a bit of music, had like some water with me and an apple. And it's like the first time in forever. I was just like, this is actually okay. You know, it's not hot. It's not cold. It's just like, it's good weather. There's not a lot of people. So I'm fine today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I live close to a park too. And, uh, I, over the summer, that's what I did a lot. I would just go out there and, and, um, you know, get with a book and listen to music and read, walk around. Yeah. And uh, that was like I would run run in the park too because they have like um yeah. it's like a wooded sort of grassy terrain oh, cool. sort of thing. So so it's kind of like running. It's not like running on the street. So it's easier on my knees because I got my my knees are pretty bad actually. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just um kind of tired of everything. I guess you know it's uh, taking a pretty big mental toll. And uh, it is you know. Yeah. You know, and I live alone, yeah, it's, it's, and I, just me and my cat, so it's, it's kind of been weird. It, <laughs> but it's the same here, and uh, I, I always tell, like, when people uh, tell me about, like, the problems they have at home with the wife, and they have a kid, and they have to do all this shit at home, and and you're like, okay, well, I, I can't really complain, you know? Like, I'm, I'm sitting here, I have a big apartment, I'm next to the, like, there's nature outside, and... I my money is coming in steadily because I'm a tenured of the state. And so like I'm pretty okay with it, but I see like how like especially when it comes to school, how much like the kids are suffering and Oh yeah. I mean there's like yeah, you know, like and people people are at the edge of what they can take and from my like what I feel like is I think this will commence throughout the whole year. So I don't see any really improvement like of course it will be better when it's summer and but i don't think that we will go back to a regular way of being in the year 2021 
So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it takes a toll on people. It's hard. There was, a like, a dad of one of my kids in school took his own life because he couldn't cope with it anymore. And it's it's insane, like, how much this affects people. And I'm always like, fuck, I'm living in my own little bubble, and I cope well with it. But I'm, I don't know, maybe... It's just luxurious the way I can, because I'm always, I always, like you are, like we're used to living alone and like we're fine being alone for a while, you know, and, but that some people just aren't. Yeah, it's, um, I like when it's a choice though, as opposed to this, uh, you know, mandate yeah. that has to happen, you know? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, and like, you know, I, I go to band practice, like we had practice yesterday actually, and uh, <clears throat> that's why I'm a little hoarse today from singing. Because, uh, you know, you okay. if you don't sing all the time, you get a little hoarse. Yeah, yeah, I know. We actually shot the first music video for the for the first single from the Ropes record. Excellent. Yesterday. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's pretty much it was, uh, you know, like real outlaw shit. Because right now, we're not allowed to meet more than one person from another household. So uh, since our rehearsal space is on a, like a... A farmer's market and a big one underneath a, like an industrial building we we're like okay so the weather is fine the cops will be outside in the parks like arresting people for hanging out with more than two people so i don't think we will have a problem and so we took took promo shots and filmed the first video yesterday and it was fine but we're like we're really skeptical about like okay if we rehearse as a four piece in full volume like if someone hears that and calls in the cops, it will be like two hundred and fifty euros a hat per head. Oh man! So yeah, yeah, they're they're really strict about this at the moment, and this is also what I'm like lacking. Like, like actually, like you said, it's like it's a choice, and right now this isn't a choice. And I mean, fuck all the shit right now that I can't do. Like I don't care about most of the stuff, but like just not saying, okay, let's go and like jam and and write new songs or practice. This is really annoying. So cool that you were able to do that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, um, it's like I was saying the way the way the uh, the way that things are being handled here. Um, you know, when numbers start going down, they start you know kind of opening things up. And uh, like I, I we've 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 been practicing since the summer, really. I mean, uh, getting oh, cool. together and you know, and and um, the the two things I do. Because gym, gyms are open as well, so I I've been going to Muay Thai, you know, four four or five nights a week and uh, doing um, you know band practice. But other than that, I mean, if I couldn't do those things, it'd be very very hard. And um, you know, I get tested every two weeks, negative. Mm -hmm. You know, no one at my gym is tested positive. Everyone's you know, no one's gotten sick. And uh, yeah, it's just um, it's odd. Like when, when that happens, when you're just like following yeah. all these regulations and you read yeah. and hear about all these people getting sick and then you don't, not, no one really gets sick. And then a good friend of mine, Garrett, who, you know, used to be in tombs, actually Garrett, or who's on, mm -hmm. um, he got sick. He got COVID. Oh man. Yeah. But then he recovered like within like a week. So I don't know. Cool. It's just, uh, I mean, it's just such a weird inconsistent world and uh at the yep. you know since this is a long-term thing i've just decided I that i have to make decisions about you know i can't just live years on end like not doing things so yeah it's a, the, the 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 worst thing about this thing here is right now 
they're doing it like on a two-week basis. So the government always says like, okay, we'll have an assessment like meeting of like all the politicians and decide if the lockdown will go on or what we do. And the problem is like last year until let's say late summer, maybe into September or something, gyms were open, the shops were open, um, you could do things, it was all regulated, so like, you know, like not more than five people in the shop, or if you go to the gym, like they, they, they threw out some of the, of the machines, so there was more space, and everything was fine, man, and, and like in my gym too, there was no positive case. In the the record shop I go to that is owned by friends of mine, you know, they were really strict, like five people in it with a mask and nothing happened. And a buddy of mine runs a bar and they also were allowed to have like 10 people in there and five people outside. It was all fine. But then like all these jackasses were still having secret parties and raves and met in parks and hung out with 20 people. There were like weddings they busted with 150 people illegally and shit like that. And that drew up like the the rates, you know, of the of the positive cases. And then the government had to react, and they shut down the gyms. The the like the only thing open right now is the supermarket, and now they're opening up the the hairdressers. So that's the first thing they do, so people can get their fucking hairs cut. So you know, and like my my buddy in the bar says, like, dude, if this goes on for the next two months, I'm fucked. I have to like go, like it's going down permanently. And this is horrible, man. And this is what, what, what drives people crazy right now. And then there's the far right in politics and the semi-right new party we have, like, since a couple of years. They're trying to use this as their benefit and, like, instruction. Like, they also, like, these insurrections you had, like, in, in oh, Washington. Shit, shit, but shit like this is about to go down here, too. So, like, these assholes, they have, like, protests in Berlin and in Leipzig with, like, 2,000 people. No, no one's wearing a mask. Police is just, like, looking. It's like, oh... Oh, well, what should we do now, huh? And they're like, they're like, they have, they they mix like anti, like anti-German politics, you know, like this is the, the government is doing horseshit about this, and Corona is a fake, and you know, and then there's like idiots with like German Nazi flags in the middle of that, and they're just just like coexisting some spiritual hippies that say like we can rain dance away the fucking virus, and you're like, <laughs> it's like. Watching the German news is like a complete shit show right now. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, it's, let me ask you a question. Um, East and West Germany, like along the former, you know, boundary. Yeah. Politically, how does that break down? And I'm speaking from total ignorance. Like, I wish I knew the answer. Is there like, a, you know, is like, say, Eastern Germany more right wing than Western Germany? It, it 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 is indeed. Yeah. Um, that's that's. Uh, but it's 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 more like it, I think it's not. You can you can't really say it's like an east west thing, but it's more a rural versus inner city thing. Oh, so it's um, like here. It's like yeah, the states, kind of. It, yeah, it is. Like if I go back to my place, you know, like when we when we like when you came, guys came and I picked you up at the airport in Frankfurt, and we stopped by at the like the little town I come from. This city is cool, but if you like drive into the hills, like more in the rural outskirts, you will have like a bunch of like these old people Nazis that like tell their grandkids that like foreigners are a problem and shit like this. So you have that too, 
but in Eastern Germany, it's really bad. So like if you go to the outskirts of Eastern Germany, you will pretty much find a Nazi in every second or third person you run into. And I mean, we played, especially planks, we played a bunch of shows back then in Eastern Germany, mostly like left-wing Antifa squats or something. And then you play this show and all of a sudden there's like an alarm going off and you're like, what the fuck is happening? And then, yeah, we have to barricade, like put up barricades because the Nazis are coming. And then it's like really like a, like a civil war in this small town with like Antifa punks throwing rocks at like Nazis that like throw gas grenades and you're a band and you're in the middle and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And um, so Eastern Germany, when it comes to like fascist shit and like rural uh, nationalism and fuck this, like there, there's a bunch of that shit happening. Yeah. I always suspected that, you know, I always suspected yeah. that because like um, obviously, you know, over the years and throughout the 90s, Eastern Germany just had like that, like this, this very uh, backward sort of vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And uh, everything looked old and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, just had that, like, that look to it, you know, this feel, you know, and even yeah. even Berlin is like that too, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, Berlin's obviously a metropolitan city, but when you go into the part that was formerly the East, it's all beaten up and, you know, blown out and everything, you know. and Yeah. Yeah. But if you, if you go to the bigger cities, you know, like Dresden or Chemnitz or Leipzig and places like this, so you can really see the gentrification is pushing really hard. So these cities are popular. They became increasingly more expensive because I remember that everybody like that was hip and cool moved to Berlin. Yeah. And now all the hip and cool people are in Berlin, and that's why they raised the 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 rents and everything is there. There's there's not a lot of like cheap space to live if you want to live like somewhere remotely in a public place in Berlin. If you go like 50 minutes outside, then you can maybe find a cheaper apartment. But like then people started like going to the cities in the east, so like especially Leipzig and. I mean, Leipzig was always one of my favorite cities in Germany. I, like, all the shows we've ever played there with Ulfa and with Planks were amazing. Hellstrom also. And good friends there. I always loved this city. But you can really see over the years that I've played shows there that it's changed so drastically. But if you like, if you're like in Eastern German cities in these these capital cities and you go outside within like 20 minutes, you will be <coughs> in buttfuck nowhere. You know, there's like really torn down houses and like you still see like these black outsides of the of the houses because of the coal they were burning to heat their houses. So everything is dirty and gritty. And when you go to this, you will still have a lot of like really sketchy people. There's like a bunch of Nazi punk festivals. Um, so it's pretty much the same as in the Ukraine and like you know like you have like these parts where there's it's just like totally okay to go outside with a swastika on your shirt and it will greet your neighbor that has a swastika tattooed on his oh, on his forehead and it's forehead. just like <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like the red skull from captain america <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much like this yeah it's it's still it's really weird and i mean here i'm in complete west so like cologne is next to you know like next to the border to belgium and the netherlands um, it's different, but in between here and Aachen, which is like an hour 
maybe 45 minutes of a drive, there's two cities that is also infested with Nazis and there's a lot of shit going down. So there's, they have their hives. So like I would say, and um, yeah, it's just sketchy to see all this shit. Yeah. These last four years in the United States have, you know, really like, like changed the way I feel about people in general. I mean, I've never really been a people person per se anyway, but, um, really, (laughs) (laughs) but I I feel very suspicious of people all the time now, you know, because, uh, you know, it's like, I gotta be honest before, before we had Donald Trump as president in the United States, I really didn't give a shit about politics at all. Like I, Obviously, you know, I, I don't, I was, I never, I've ever, ever voted Republican. I'm not conservative. I've like, you know, left leaning politics, conser- you know, like progressive, yep. you know, ideas like socially and economically and all that jazz. But it wasn't like, um, if you voted for George Bush, I, I didn't feel like you were my enemy per se. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's yeah, how yeah. I feel now. I feel like if you're a Trump supporter, you're an enemy of mine. Because you're yeah. representing the bane of democracy, which is like the system that people died and fought for in this country. And, and it's, it's almost like this, this anti-American thing that's going on. You know, people at that insurrection were flying the Trump flag and the Confederate flag along with the, yeah. the United States flag, which is fucking bizarre to me. Yeah, you know? it is. You know, and of yeah. course, then there also there's all these conspiracy theories where, like, you know, oh, pe- even law enforcement people are thinking that, oh, that well, the insurrectionists were actually people in Antifa, you know, trying to be agent provocateurs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? Even though, like, now that people are being arrested, it's being uncovered that they belong to these like sketchy right wing three percenters and oath breakers and all this other bullshit you know and it's power, power, power metal bands yeah yeah uh iced earth guy you know whatever his name is <laughs> yeah yeah it's so like that was weird yeah that was a big like about the guy in the in the costume with the horns you know oh, like yeah. the guy mm-hmm. yeah Pe- people were making fun of like the, him looking like okoy of bursa <laughs> <laughs> Because like same tattoos and always also like a real manly man, you know. It's just like oh my god, man. But it's I think the um I, I it's it's funny that the the AFD like the, I think I mentioned that before like the alternative for Germany like this new semi right like this party that says like we're not right wing but they're actually like all like not, former Nazis and in this party, you know, it's just like, we're the alternative and they're like represented in every state now in, in, in like the, the people running the place. So they're like, they have good percentages and they're getting better with every election. And they're also like, because there's, you know, there's elections coming up because uh, uh, Merkel's like reign as chancellor is almost over. And so now they're like they're uh, uh, like taking over this this Trump finalia. I'm trying to say like, oh yeah, we don't want a letter uh, like um, what is it, like uh, this election by by letters and you oh, know mail, like post mail post in, yeah yeah, yeah mail yeah. It's like we won't allow this because we saw what happened in America. Well, it's like oh man, and they're like when you look at their party program, it's just like. It's like 50% horse shit 
and 50% stuff from the NSDAP of like Hitler's party that they just like, like took over. It's just like, yeah, women have to be uh, at home raising the kids again. And we have to close the borders to protect our own land and shit like this. So I think all the, the, the fucking thing that was there the whole time in the States, in Germany, in the East. I mean, look at Eastern Europe right now and Russia and the, what, what they're like pulling off. That shit was always there. But like people like Trump, they like pushed it out because people can finally say, finally, it's okay to voice my opinion that I am. I'm not a racist, but I don't like this and I don't like Muslims and like the Muslims are this. It's so bad to see all of this shit. And so what what you say like about like Trump voters being your enemies, it's just like I I think the, my problem as a philosophy teacher is like I'm a big fan of Immanuel Kant and his like philosophy of reason. Yeah. And I think that this this shows like people we're like we're born with the ability to use reason, but people just don't care to use it. You know, you have to you have to learn it and you have to willingly say yes. I'm willing to learn, like to, to use my ability of reason to see what I'm doing. And people are just always like, oh no, well, I could be reasonable, but this would be to other people's benefits and I want my benefits, so fuck that. And this is, this is what's giving me nightmares as a philosophy teacher. I'm like, oh God, man, so, such stupidity, such ignorance. It's just like to have your own agenda first and pretty much... Trump is the idol when it comes to this, like my agenda first, fuck all the rest. The, the really curious thing about it, and uh, you know, for a second, I just want to go back to Germany uh, post-World War I with the, um, you know, the rise of the National Socialism. You know, after the Treaty of Versailles was signed, Germany was like in a, you know, there was like this, this idea that they were somehow being fucked over by the rest of Europe. You know, and economically, yeah. the country wasn't doing well. And that under those conditions, that's when this, this nationalist party, you know, and Hitler was able to rise up through that, you know, with that yeah. sentiment. It, like it's superimposing that on the United States, because I look at Donald Trump as a total fascist, man, and the fucking people that support him as like, you know, you're supporting fascism. But. The United States wasn't necessarily going through any kind of like hard times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like economically, yeah. things were fine, you know, and, and uh, you know, I mean, yeah, there was war, you know, I mean, there was the war machine that was raging in, in, uh, in, in the in Middle East. But no one had particularly been fucking us over, you know. I mean, we're, we're probably the fucker, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what blew my mind as to how many people just aren't grateful for the fucking things they have, you know? Yeah. And, and are like, Oh, yeah. I want more. I want more. Like as like a, you know, like the, the, the white sort of meth addicted, you know, opiate fiends <laughs> that live in the Midwest <laughs> that support this fucking guy. It's like, well, maybe you should fucking get an education and try to like pull yourself out of the mire that you're in. Instead of trying yeah. to pull everyone else down, you know, and that and mentality what, yeah. is like really what fucking gets under my skin, man. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like two things to what you just said, like they come together that always bother me. So at first, I think the only answer to all the problems we have is education and people willingly like letting uh, like education slip by. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like when people say 
Muslims are equal terrorists. It's like, no, they're not. Muslims are some of the nicest people I've ever met. But if you read the Quran, and I read the Quran, if you read the Quran with just one eye, so you read one page or like one surah, and you say like, okay, I'll take this one, but I don't read the next one that refers to it and says like, so yeah, eye for an eye, if this happened first, it's just like, no, it says eye for an eye here. It's in the book. I'll do it like this. And so like people turn a blind eye to like the whole picture. And that's what they, what they like, what they don't do. And I think what happened in the States, like you're totally right. There's no like, America has not gone to the same shit that Germany has gone through the First World War that Hitler could take advantage of. But he's using the same methods in the way that he talks and in the way that he implies it could be better for you. I, I can make it better for you. And people are like, you know, like lazy ass, broke, stupid idiots are like, oh, well, he promises me I don't have to do a lot, but like since I'm American, I'm entitled to having all this shit. And then you have someone that screams this from a stage really loud. And people are like, I mean, that's what I always found fascinating about like watching Hitler speeches in school or later on. It's the way that he talks. That's that's what like that's what people like it intimidated the weaker ones it's it like encourages the like the motivation in you it's like the way he talks the way he screams it's just like it's empowering but i watch pro wrestling and it's the same fucking thing <laughs> dude, like you Rick, know like Rick people, flair and all those guys yeah, totally, yeah dude yeah. like they're, they're in the middle of the like they they're yelling at their opponents loud shit is like you betrayed me and i will get back at you you know and yeah. they, they're, they're doing this in this way that has always been fascinating to me like how much with the way you talk and behave can can corrupt the morally weak and the intellectual weak, I think. And this is also which, like, if you go full circle, I mean, you both and I were, like, always been fans or interest, like, not fans, I'm not a fan of Charles Manson, of what he did, but it's just, like, we're, like, fascinated by what he did, why people did what he said, like, told them to do. And it's always, it always makes me cringe when people say, oh, Manson is the biggest mass murderer of all time. It's like, no, he's not. He, he, like, he killed one person in self-defense, but he was able to corrupt other people to do the shit he wants. And this is what I, what I always found interesting about sects and, and like these, these people that were able to tell people with the way they talk and to appeal to their mind. It's just like, this is what, you, what I want you to do, and I'm the puppeteer, and you're the puppet, and now dance. Exactly. You know what I mean? And... I mean, back in the 90s, you know, you read book about psyops and things, and that's a lot of exactly what is going on right now, you know? And, um, yeah. you know, like with the, the QAnon. And uh, like when I first found out about that, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. It's just like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, you know? It's right up there with, <laughs> with David Icke's um, reptilian, you know, overlord conspiracies. Oh, man. And I'm oh, like, man. but then I started seeing that people really believe that shit. And yeah, and then I, I saw a documentary recently about how it was rolled out through like 4chan and 8chan and all this other you know bullshit that's out there, and it's it is it's like it's like a game. There's like gamer theory in there, and and it's like this psyop that's going on, and it follows all the protocols, and it makes me wonder, like 
as I'm really going to be fascinated as as the years go by and more information becomes uncovered about this stuff, like what actually is going on and who's behind yeah. all this shit, because it's like a mass manipulation. And I don't believe I think Donald Trump is probably just one aspect of this thing that was going on. He might have been a tool. And, and yeah. I, not, now I'm becoming a conspiracy conspiracist. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe I'm reading into it more than I, you know, but part of me believes that there's like a bigger work going on and it's uh you know kind of frightening actually but but mike it's god's will you know it's god's it's will, god's yes. will. yeah uh, but <laughs> because that's like speaking of yeah. what you were talking about earlier um ah oh man like a few years ago uh i was working on this piece with this uh writer vegas tenold it's a norwegian guy and mm -hmm. unfortunately we never the piece never got I have the audio for it, and that's it. But we never turned it into anything. And he wrote a book called Everything You Love Will Burn. And um, I probably spoke about it on this podcast, um, you know, a few times over the years. But he, uh, like, he didn't infiltrate these guys, but he um, embedded himself with these, like, new, like, uh, national socialists that were trying mm -hmm. to uh, legitimize themselves as actual political parties like in the united states and um yeah so we had this piece about it and and it kind of speaks to what you're saying it's like these people think that you know the poor white have been you know subjugated in this country you know and there's this narrative that people everyone's against us you know and this yeah. is and he wrote this right up until the night of uh the donald trump um you know that the 2016 elections you know, and their whole thing was like, oh, you know, Trump was going to be our savior and all this other bullshit. Now it's, you know, it's going to be on. And the night of the elections, like he texted to Vegas, everything you love will burn. <laughs> and that's how oh, he came up with man. the title of the book. Oh, man. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, I need to get in touch with this dude again and uh, and get him and get his take on everything that's going on. Because that's been like a few years ago. It's been like... Uh, you know, um, three or four years ago since we had that discussion. Well, it should be cool, man, because especially if you're like, if he's like in this topic and he wrote this book and now it's like after one, like this, this whole four year period of Trump, I think you will have like great things to say about like what he, what, like, what is his take on all the shit that went down now? Yeah. Um, yeah, he, I can't remember the name of the groups, but they were, um, you know, they, they were like, all of them were like ex skinheads and they, mm -hmm. they kind of reconfigured their, uh, you know, the PR of their group and they, they renamed it. And, you know, it was like, I don't know, like the traditionalist workers party or some bullshit like that. We're like, yeah, that's one of those things. When, whenever you hear that kind of, that kind of uh, vernacular, the traditionalists, you know, workers yeah. party that has like this vaguely, so, you know, like socialist vibe to it, you know, the worker, uh -huh. It always it always ends up being some white supremacist uh, organization. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, I mean that's the same thing we have here with this shitty AFD party. You know, like we had the like in Hitler's time, it was the NSDAP, and from that derived, we still have the N, uh, uh, N NPD, so the Nationalist Party of Germany, which is like straight up right people, but they're like you can you can vote for them, and they're on like on every ballot. But they're like, they're making like small numbers. But some of these people, I don't know, like 
again, like from what you said, there must be someone else pulling the strings because mostly they're like dimwits, like yeah. Trump is a dimwit, you know? Totally. But then, then all of a sudden this AFD thing happened. And we're, at first I'm like, so what the fuck is this now? So like the alternative for Germany. And they're like, you know, we're not against immigrants, but wouldn't it be better to think about closing the borders? You know, like <laughs> yeah. doing these, these, you know, like, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm 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 eating a kebab now and then but do we really need turkish people in germany you know like stuff like this and then you, know, you see like the first people that are appear and all of a sudden like okay he's in that party now and he's joining that party and then you do like a backup check on uh, like background check on these people and you see like okay so he's been active in this right wing group he's been arrested for like <clears throat> uh offense to like german politics because like then he terrorist attacks no not terrorist attacks but like he's been on this demonstration and he did this and you're like oh my god and all these scummy ass people are joining this party but they're all like look at us we're nice people we're just offering the alternative my beard is a bit uh, smaller than other beards it's not because i like hitler's beard but maybe i am i don't you know and it's just like gross and it's becoming so big and popular and it's just insane. And they're like, they're getting their numbers, you know, I think like most of Germany still thinks like what, what a bunch of dorks, but they're getting their numbers and they're like, they're making good process in like making their voice appear in the public because they're provoking all the time. And that gets some people's like thinking, you know, and then, then there are like people, you know, like colleagues in school. I mean, we have like 80 teachers in this school. And I mean, I've been fighting with some people verbally about like, you know, like the traditional religion teachers, like do like about like what well, right now is like, they're like, oh yeah, the, uh, the, the church doesn't get enough money right now because there's no, no collects in, in, because there's no church service and shit. And I'm like, well, but, isn't it God's will that we have this pandemic, you know, like everything <laughs> is God's, God's will. will. Yeah. God's will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, like pretty much like we have all the shit, so it must be God's will to decimate us. So uh, isn't it okay to like get less money <clears throat> and people like this, they're also like, you know, like I have 30 kids in my class and of these 30 kids in my class, there's like 20 people that don't have German names anymore. Isn't that kind of weird? Shouldn't we like teach more German kids and like they're all German kids, you asshole. They all have German papers, you fucking dimwit. And then they're like, yeah, but you know, it used to be better because we only had like two or three Turkish people. You can't talk to them really, you know? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Dude, and that, that's like a whole other layer to it in Europe because like, uh, like at least in the United States, everyone is like something else too. You know what I mean? It's like... You're Italian American, you're Irish American, you're African American, you're, you know, you're Latino yeah. or whatever. In Europe, you're fucking German, man. It's like, you're like, I mean, you're, your people have probably been living in Germany for, you know, like, I can't, for time immemorial, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when the Sumerians, like, migrated into what was going to become Europe, that's probably when your people came over to, uh, to live in Germany, you know, it's like, yeah. so yeah, that, that's yeah. another layer to that sort of nationalism, which is even sketchier, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's just like, uh, I mean, the, 
the the amount again the amount of la- the, the amount of lack of reason with some people is just insane and that you're like doing this job and you're living in a part of germany like cologne where you have a gigantic workforce because of all the industry that is primarily coming from Eastern Europe and like former emigrants and, you know, people that have been living here forever, but they're still like, they're, they're Turkish people, they're Russian people, they're Iranian people and shit. And they all live, have been living here forever. They have like German papers and you still don't consider them German because they have darker skin than you. And you're a teacher, really? It's just like it's it's insane to me that stuff like this is happening. But yeah, I mean, for I don't know, like I've been I've been ever since I became a philosophy teacher. I'm really like one of my main topics that I teach in school that I'm interested in is like human rights and like work of Amnesty International. And over the, like through that, I became totally not obsessed, but like really fascinated with all the racism also in the states. You know, like when it, like Black Lives Matter and stuff like this. And it's just like every country has like this dark history of oppressing other people. And I mean, Germany, of course, we have like pretty much the the greatest resume when it comes to this. You know. And it's just like when people talk about, yeah, we should really forget about the past, you know, we've, we've done our share of, of, of like remorse and now we can go on as proud Germans. Like, uh, no, not unless, you know, like people really get that there's a, still a problem here. Well, that, that's, that is the problem if you want to not look at the past because things tend to, <laughs> tend to repeat, you know, or and, and re, re-manifest themselves in different parts of the world. Like I... Like I was saying, like, if you're a Trump supporter in the United States, you don't see it this way. But the way I see it is, like, the United States came very close to having a totalitarian government, you know? Yes. Like, if these, like, uh, you know, uh, alcoholics and uh, drug addicts that had stormed the, uh, you know, the Capitol had been successful, what, you know, that's that's exactly what we would have had. We would have had a fucking totalitarian government. You know, they, they, they had planned on hanging Mike Pence. You know, and, and I'm like, I mean, look, I, you know, I, I don't, I obviously am not a fan of Mike Pence, but I don't want to see the man, you know, lynched. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. That's just the discussion, you know, like in general, um, that I have in philosophy too. I had this discussion with my dad. I had it with colleagues and shit that like think that the death penalty is still a valid thing in the year 2021. And it's the same thing, like with lynch justice. Yeah, you have we have to hang Mike Pence. Like, dude, he, this guy was so loyal to Trump, and now, like in the, in the last run, he's doing his job, and now you want to lynch him for that? It's it's absurd, man. Well, the other thing too that everyone still believes the election in the United States is was uh, stolen. Like the people, the judges that deemed it fair, were some of the same judges that Trump appointed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, people are going to go on with this narrative. It's going to be a thing. It's going to, I mean, I'm interested to see what kind of, uh, you know, criminal charges are brought against him in the coming years, coming months and all that. And um, now that he's a private citizen, I feel like, you know, it's time to pay the piper. You know, I think that there's a lot of people out there who have been waiting for this time to come, you know, especially New York State, you know. 
And uh, I think that it's going to be a hard time for this guy in the future. Hopefully, hopefully, I hope, you know. Yeah. But do you think he will, like, because he's already teasing, like, he, I'm not done with MAGA. Do you think he will, like, launch some kind of, like, a new party? And, like, with, like, you know, again, people behind him that we probably will never know as a conspiracy theorist that we are, you know, with money and, like, that make it possible that he's actually, like, a figure that will return in some form? Yeah. I think he's going to, some way or another, that guy is going to be around. And, I mean, yeah. if, he, if he tries to launch a, um, or if he does launch a new a third party, another, another party. I mean, there are other parties out there. Yeah. Um. I just, I mean, yeah, I mean, he could take his, his supporters, but I don't, it, it, what that's going to hurt is the Republican Party more than anything else. I don't think that a third party, this like Patriot Party that he's talking about, would have yeah. enough people supporting it to actually make a difference, really, you know? I mean, like, let's yeah. keep in mind that Trump has never won the uh, popular vote in the United States. Even when yeah, he won the election right. the first time, he didn't win the popular vote, you know. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like it's fucked up, really. And it's like, you know, just the whole electoral college that worked when there was 13 colonies, maybe, you know, yeah. and, it, and that, you know, maybe. But that really had more to do with, uh, you know, like like it was it was like racially motivated, you know, the electoral college. And now that the country has, you know, it's, it's like expanded beyond 13 colonies. It's just that model just doesn't work anymore, you know, and it's, yeah. bi it's biased. So, and it's yeah. it's still so. I'm I, I don't know. Like in, in I've never been to an American school. Like I always like when I was in the states, I always wanted to visit a school, and I've never had to like. You, usually, when you study English as a teacher, you have to stay abroad for a term. I could avoid this because my I said like I don't have the time and money when I study it, and also my I've been driving bands forever at that time. Right. So my professor said like, yeah, your your English is like pretty much native language level. You don't have to go. But I just like I wish I could have spent some time in American schools to see how this works. I mean, the whole school system is different, but also like. When, when, and how is the American electoral system being explained in school? Because it's not now. Okay, great, fair enough. Because, you don't, because you don't learn any of that stuff. You like they, they oh, mention, dude. they mention it, they talk about it in passing, but it's not like, like I think, um, I mean, anything I've ever learned about government, I had to learn on my own, man. I had to buy books. I, had, you know, the Constitution, like all this shit. I had to re have it explained to me unbelievable you know because we have we have an actual subject in school that starts in fifth grade that educates you throughout the 10th grade the public political systems how votes are being cast and and how political parties work who is elected and how how does that work how is it like in europe that europe came together so this is like an actual subject in school and that's always because like i had to do a fill-in lesson with some kids and and the school was still like up and running and that was the time when like trump started his rallying and they were like yo mr schmidt so by now we really understand how it works in germany but do you could you explain in a few sentences how the american system works and i'm like um in a few words no, no chance in hell, man. Yeah. It's just like, I know there are two big parties. I know there are others, but gives a shit about them. 
And I mean, I, I pretty much learned my shit from watching American shows like House of Cards and shit. And I just know, like, <laughs> this is the most weird and corrupt system with the swing state shit and, and like the VIPs. And, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And it's always these like shithole states that are the swing states. It's like these states with no industry and are operating at a deficit. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. It's just fucking weird, man. And, like, I remember the, uh, you know, like, in high school having maybe spending a week on government or something like that in social studies. Like, it wasn't like, I mean, you should, I, I think that pe people should have, like, a significant amount of their education devoted to how the government works. You know, the government you live with. How, like, as a, you know, because yeah. you're, you're not you know, of age to vote, but you will be. And when you become of age to vote, you should understand how your, your vote matters, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. But that's, that and was never really made clear to anyone. If, as far as I can recall, maybe things are different now, you know? Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Because it's, it's, I mean, the German system is pretty much straightforward, you know, like it's pretty easy to understand, but like there's been done, there's so much done, over the last, uh, ever since I was in school, which is also now a couple of years ago, and seeing this now, for example, we have like, a, it's called a, um, an electomat, you know, like it's, it's like if you go to a website and um, it asks you like a specific amount of questions, about 30 or 40 questions, and you just have like, you know, you have five or six options to choose from and you click your answer and it will tell you afterwards if you like if this is your opinion this is the parties that might be interesting to you to re read into and you do this in school because most kids that are not educated will end up with like um populist ideas you know yeah. and then they will like in the end all of a sudden they will have the christian party they will have the nationalist parties because they're just like, you know, like, oh, yeah, no, I, I want my family to do well. I don't care if, it, if it's not beneficial to others. But like this as a starting point in school, you have like material to work on for the next half year to tell them about how the system works, what parties represents what, how do you really read into their programs to really see what they're up, like what they're into. And I think this is super important that like that people have this option. And that's why it always pisses me off when people still say like, yeah, Germans, you're all still a bunch of Nazis and you haven't learned from your past. It's just like there are parts in Germany that are willingly ignoring the evolution and that there's uh, that there's change. Yes, but we're doing a lot of shit in school to have people know what our history was and will forever be, but that we can learn from our mistakes and get better. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's that would be great in the United States, you know. I, I also, I just want to revise something I said earlier, like some piece of shit state, you know, swing states. I, you don't have to live in a swing state to be a piece of shit, and I definitely understand <laughs> that. You know, like there's tons of those people around me in New Jersey and Staten Island that are total right-wing fuckheads, and like... And a lot of awesome people that I met over the years that live out in these, uh, you know, rural areas of the United States or the Southeast and, you know, Texas and yeah. all that. So, yeah, I know I get I get like very myopic these days about um, my, my emotional response to all this ignorance I see around me. And 
sometimes I get a little crazy, you know, but like, I, I don't want to like offend anyone out there who's like, you know, lives in like, you know, Ohio or something that is like, yeah, but Mike, yeah. I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I'm not a Trump supporter. It's like, you know, and I, and it, it fucking bothers me that now that he's, it's after the election and the fucking guy is out of the white house and I'm still talking about him. That's even more yeah. fucked up, you know? Yeah, and that there's like been two attempts to uh, like trying to get him like out for good, so he doesn't like doesn't have an option to come back. And then there's like this this two party system that can still allow him to, you know, like have a bruised eye but still get away without any real charges for that. Well, well, I have I have a theory about um, the uh, the second impeachment because there just wasn't enough time. I mean, honestly impeachments are political you know what i mean it's already rigged from the beginning because it's everyone's just going to vote along party lines it's yeah. not there's no uh you know uh subpoenas for witnesses there's no uh you know it's all rhetoric really you know it's all yeah. a narrative that's been, that has been created you know they don't have any yeah. any you know testimonies or any of that kind of stuff but what they what they did do is his legal team went on record saying that trump lost the election and yeah. I think that's a very significant thing in this whole drama that's playing out. Yeah. You know, and that's like, you know, they, that's, you know, I feel maybe I'm wrong, but it felt like a tactical thing more than like, you know, okay, yeah, we're going to impeach him and he's never going to be president. Again. Wow. Like I didn't, I, I really yeah. believe the, the, uh, okay. it was more of a uh, demonstration of information and a presentation. And now that video they made is going to exist and going to be online forever. And, uh, you know, and it's going to, it's just, and it also put on record that his legal defense team stated that he lost the election. So there you go. Yeah. That's the small victories that count nowadays. Yeah. But you know, it's, there's other stuff that's going on, you know, that's seething under the surface, like legal stuff and you know, criminal yeah. charges and all these other things. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, but it's, uh, it's like, you know, People focus on smaller things and like face their voice their energy in witch hunting some bands or other things, you know. Yeah. And I think that like the the bigger picture of like this is essential stuff that people should know and focus on, you know. Like with all this, I my kids in my class where where I talked about like I, I don't know like the system in the states is also a bit different when it comes to this. So when I take over a class as a as a head teacher, I will be their go-to person for the next six years. So, you know, like they go from grade to grade and they have different teachers and different subjects like everywhere in the world. But I'm their head teacher, so I deal with all the parent stuff and I have I teach them in English and in music and so you know, like there you grow, they grow up with you. I'm like some of like a go-to dad for them. Right. And there's like some people in our school that do their job by the, by the book. You know, this is like, it's a, it's a nine to five job or pretty much in here. It's an eight to four job. And um, then that's that. They don't give a shit about their class. They don't put any work in it. I myself coming from this very political background that i have like not from my family not so much but like growing up a punk and in the hardcore punk scene i put so much effort and and energy and time into educating my kids in class 
that there is a like a world outside of school they have to be aware about you know talking like i start in in sixth grade when they're 12 years old i tell them what 9 11 was and what happened and and things like this because parents don't talk about this and in my philosophy classes i talk to ninth grade kids about death and 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 what suicides are and i've been criticized for that but they go out and like i'm still in touch with old students i had and they're like you taught me so much that is really essential apart from like what's the simple present and what's the past progressive and shit like this you know like and 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 i put energy into this also the political stuff and now like with my seventh grade class that are 13 14 years old i spend weeks talking about the american situation about the the about what trump pulled off and shit like this and they're they're growing so so fast and like but at least i have the feeling that they see there's a world outside the small rural town where my school is at and that there are like bigger problems you have to focus about than like personal petty grievances and shit like this right but that's in general i think people can't grasp the whole picture and then they focus on small shit and drill a hole into this like for example what we always talked about you know the witch hunt for bands or like actors or whatever and it's just like yeah it is a problem it's maybe also a bigger problem to some degree but the big things that are really like an urgent matter that get buried under stuff like this yeah it's more of a symptom that kind of stuff you know like it's like yeah, you yeah. Know, than, than anything else you know yeah.